Blog Talk Radio. Yes, good evening, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, from the rainy Tampa Bay, another sports tonight. And I welcome our legends from Jersey Shore slash Sarasota, Mr. Don Henderson right here in the Tampa Bay market, Mr. Roy Cummings, spinning the dials, as always, Mr. Frank Carroll. Gentlemen, good evening. What a week of sports, huh? 
Yes, sir. It's just it's unreal, all the stuff going on in sports. Aaron Rodgers back with the Packers. Football camps are opening up. And, and there's a lot of trades going on in hockey. Tyler Johnson went to the Lightning to the Blackhawks. And for, in the trade for Brian Seabrook, which is, all oh, that is a salary cap move. And that. so it's a lot of, a lot of trades just going on this time of year, especially for the NFL in hockey too. So it's a lot of, a lot of changing going. Uh, is Roy there yet or no? Yeah, Roy. Yep. Here. I'm here. Oh, okay, okay. Just quickly, uh, Yanks are down two nothing at the stadium. The Baltimore and the Phillies are down three nothing at Washington. Uh, <clears throat> So uh, there are the two baseball scores I have at the moment right up to date. So a lot okay. of baseball news as well, as well as basketball and football and everything's going on right now. Roy, I'll tell you, uh, let me first of all ask you about your Cubbies because they don't have a <laughs> team anymore. I don't who they. Who, I don't even know who they're playing. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite remarkable. Um, you know, it's very interesting. Um, Joe Madden was asked obviously about the sale or the trade rather of uh, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo and Javier Baez. And, uh, you know, along with, they, you know, they've gotten rid of nine guys. But those are the, uh, those are the big ones, obviously those three. Right. Um, you can throw Craig Kimbrell in there as well. And Joe Mahedden was asked about that the other day. He said, the Beatles are gone, man. And um, you know what? It, it kind of feels that way. It, um, it almost feels like the Beatles have broken up again uh, in Chicago there's not a lot to look forward to right now uh, in the short term. Um, the, the Cubs went quite interesting. I mean, in a, in a span of a couple of months, they went from being in first place in their division and uh, to, to selling off every, all the stars they have, really, except for Wilson, uh, Wilson, you know, Wilson Contreras. And uh, I don't know when they're going to have another star caliber player uh, in their midst. It's, um, it's hard to know. Uh, even the, even the general manager right now, Jed Hoyer says, you know, I don't know where we go from here. And, uh, you know, that's not encouraging. Uh, it, it, he's trying to say it's not a rebuild, but it certainly looks like a rebuild. And it's kind of interesting how, you know, was it necessary to rebuild with, with, you know, I don't think it was, I mean, you can make the argument that, you know, they, they weren't going deep into the playoffs with these guys. But they were getting to the playoffs, and that's, you know, I think we all know, we've been around, you know, Major League Sports, you know, whether it's pro football, basketball, baseball, hockey, doesn't matter. It, it, part of it's just about just get there. I mean, Tommy just referred to the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, the Montreal Canadiens went from, you know, a team that was considered to be an also-ran to, excuse me, to, uh, you know, going to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, same happened with Dallas two years ago. Same happened with St. Louis that won the Stanley Cup three years ago in hockey. Um, we see teams like this all the time. You can almost say the same thing about the Rays who ended up in the World Series a year ago uh, against the Dodgers. You have certain teams that are clearly, you know, uh, capable of, of buying the pieces they need at any time. Uh, you know, they also have the ability to trade for the pieces they need at any time. But then you have the teams that kind of, you know, build through the draft. And, and that's, what the, that's what the Cubs did. You know, I mean, they got Anthony Rizzo on a trade, but it was a trade for prospects and, they, they drafted Chris Bryant. They brought in Javier Baez. I mean, they did it the right way. And it's not like this team was, was failing miserably. 
falling a little bit below expectations, sure, but they were not failing miserably. And now you've basically blown it up and said, we're moving on. Here's the thing. I don't know. I know for a fact that in free agency, you're probably not going to find a better first baseman, third baseman, slash outfielder, or shortstop than the three they just got rid of. Um, It's not a great year in free agency, so – the best player in free agency may end up being uh, Chris Bryant, for all we know. He, he could be an MVP this year uh, if his bat suddenly, you know, if he manages to keep his bat hot in, in San Francisco. But it's uh, it's really remarkable what, what's happened. Uh, a team that probably should have been buying and, and taking, you know, one last shot. I mean, you can make that argument. But, you know, there are other people who say that this is something the Cubs had to do, that, you know, they weren't getting these deals done with their with the guys they had and uh, they were in position to, to lose some free agency, so you had to get something for them. It uh, doesn't look like they got a lot. Uh, it could be three years before we really see the, the benefits, and they may be great. But right now it's, it's a pretty dark period in, in uh, Chicago baseball, no doubt about it. Um, you've blown up the, the first World Series champion in 106 years, and um, it's, it's really quite depressing. Well, I'll tell you, Roy, the one thing I'd uh, bring up before we jump over to the other two fellows is that <clears throat> Rizzo has made a tremendous impression in New York that quickly. I mean, he had a great series down in Florida. Uh, they scored 13 runs last night. He was a big part of that. But more importantly, he was the defensive player that everyone knew he was. And he saved two ball games in Miami just with defense. And the second thing is uh, the Yankees, again, we talked a great deal last night about or last week, uh, about the COVID. And lo and behold, the Yankees come down with two more, including Cole, with the COVID. I mean, how can you possibly not have your shots? And they have not said anything about whether he's had them or not, but I just can't imagine he did. I'm talking about Cole. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, here's the thing, guys. Um, you, you, can, you can have the shot. You can have the vaccine. And still get the virus. The, the, what the what the what the vaccine is going to keep you from doing is getting horribly sick and force you to go in the hospital. Um, at this point, um, and again, I say at this point, things could change. But right now, uh, the science suggests that if you've got the vaccine, uh, you're in pretty good shape. You're, you're you're you could you could get the virus, uh, in which case you could also pass it on to other people. Um, but you're not going to get horribly sick. You're probably certainly not, you know, not likely not going to die from it. You probably won't get hospitalized. You might have, you know, some, some, some slight flu-like symptoms for a day or two. That, that's kind of what it is. But Major League Baseball is trying to do all it can, all it can to, uh, to avoid its players passing the virus on to others who are not vaccinated. Um, and that's what, you know, that's why these guys, if they test positive, and it's, first of all, it's why they're continuing to test, and it's why if players test positive, uh, they're being put on the shelf. Um, funny, you're not going to see that happen in the NFL. Um, they're going to continue to skirt the rules or make up their own, uh, and, and, and they won't follow uh, those kind of guide, guidelines at all. Um, so, you know, you could see all kinds of people getting the, the disease there, and you probably won't even hear about it. But uh, baseball is being a lot more, uh, uh, you know, upfront about it, and if you test positive, uh, you're going to sit out for a day or two, and uh, maybe longer, depending on what uh, what your symptoms are and whether you've been vaccinated or not. So uh, it's unfortunate, but the virus is still there; it hasn't left us. It's going to continue to be a, a big part of uh, all sports for the next few months, at least. 
Um, as I said, the NFL will virtually ignore it and pretend, pretend as if it doesn't exist. Um, they'll probably cheat the numbers, lie about it, uh, so they can play the games. And uh, a lot of people will be very happy for that. But um, meanwhile, there's probably going to be a lot of people getting sick as a result of that uh, their actions. Roger, Joe Giordi's got the Phillies at least moving slowly in the right direction. The Mets are going in the opposite direction, and the Braves are sort of status quo where you are in Atlanta. So how about the uh, National League East, and how do you see it happening? Uh, yeah, Roger's not on you know, yet, Don. He's, uh, he's traveling. Oh, Roger's traveling tonight? Oh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't hear that. Yeah, I Tommy, well, we'll, we'll go to you. Tommy, what do you think right now about the uh, – the race in National League East, and also uh, talk a little bit about the, you know, what's happening in, in Tampa, Florida, because uh, that's going to be a very interesting race right now as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the race is playing some great baseball. Um, you know, they're playing some good baseball. People are starting to come to the ballpark again, and and who knows? It's just like I still think the outside chance to win that division is the New York Yankees. What they have, Anthony Rizzo weekend in Miami, and he made so much of that ball club right now. They get their pitching together, look out. But, I mean, you know, the Rays are only a good ball club. Red Sox are good, too. But my, my dark horse for the, Amer- for the American League East is going to be the Yankees. I mean, they're starting to play some finally good baseball, which is a, which is a tough thing to do in August. Then you have in the, in the National League East, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick the fighting fills to overtake the obstacles of what they're going through right now. They win one, lose one, win one, lose one. They're gonna, they have to go on some kind of streak, guys, to get this thing going over the top. Roy, what's, you like what's, your your, uh, what's your impression on the American League? Uh, you take a look at the Yankees and the Rays and what's happening here with the Red Sox as well. Yeah, it's a great division, guys. Uh, look, one team that you haven't mentioned is the Toronto Blue Jays, and I wouldn't count them out either. Uh, there's no yeah, they just made a couple of big moves. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, Tommy's right. The Yankees, let's face it, they're clearly going for it. When you go out and get Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo, uh, you're, 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 you're putting all your chips in the middle of the table and saying, let's go, gentlemen, we're going to win this thing. Um, my guess is they're probably not done making moves. Yeah, we're past the trade deadline, but that doesn't mean you can't pick up guys who, uh, you know, pass through waivers. So uh, we'll see what happens. But you know, they're, right now they're they're kind of fortunate. They're playing the, the Orioles, who were uh, struggling, but uh, you know, good for them playing the Marlins. But they beat a good team there. Yeah, it's uh, the Yankees are something. They're they're going to be a, a team to watch for sure. But uh, the Rays uh, uh, coming off a, a tough series against Seattle, uh, but they won today. So it, it's going to be a great race down the stretch uh, with all these teams in the AL East, no doubt about it. And much, you know what? Very similar in the NL East. I, I think both of these. East contests are, are going to go right down to the to the wire here uh, in terms of who the, uh, the the division champion is. You're probably going to see a wild card come out of those divisions as well. So um, it's going to be it's really going to be uh, good to wa- good good fun baseball to watch. Well, fellas, we're right in the middle of uh, right in the middle, I should say, the very beginnings of training camp. A lot of excitement in New York. They had a big brawl there yesterday. Uh, but everything seems to have calmed down in the practice field with the Giants. But you two fellows are right in the heart of it. Uh, you know, you got the National Football League champions right there in the Bucks, And uh, so let's uh, touch a little bit on the Bucks and the, and the National Football League. Roy, what, what's happening there? 
Well, you know, the Bucks. Are, what, what most teams are doing right now is just trying to stay healthy. <laughs> They're trying to, you know, uh, training camp is a necessary evil, and it, it kind of, it, it's important, and it's uh, it's it's obviously a big uh, part of uh, teams getting ready for uh, the start of a season. But um, it can be devastating. Uh, we've already seen the Colts, uh, you know, struggled with uh, your boy Carson Wentz. Uh, he doesn't look like he. Who knows if he's coming back at all this year? But yeah, it's a time when fights are the biggest news and injuries. So, and neither one of them are good. So, um, we'll start to see games this weekend. But you know, they last for about 10, 12, 10 20 minutes at, at the most before they uh, get rather boring. So, it's really uh, you know we're kind of in that period where everybody gets excited about you know baseball, football being back and they're on the field and. Uh, and then you kind of get bored with it and uh, get bored with training camp and certainly the preseason, and then you get ready for the regular season. So right now, as I said, it's just a period when everybody's trying to stay healthy and uh, get their work in without, uh, without any serious consequences. And if you, the teams that can do that uh, are going to have a, a nice, uh, nice shot at things going forward. But uh, you don't want to lose anybody big, and right now that's what everybody's trying to do is just avoid the injuries and, yes, avoid those fights as well. Hey Roy, I have a question. Um, this week, the uh, the Buffalo Bills have decided they want to they want to get out of, of where they are, and they were talking about going to um, somewhere in Texas. Um, I understand that Jerry Jones' uh, reaction to it was that, like hell they are. Nobody comes to Texas but my guys. Um, do you <laughs> think that's going to be a, come to fruition, or do you think that uh, that they'll back off? Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I'll, I'll be surprised. Um, you know, it's territorial. And uh, when you've got, uh, first of all, Jerry Jones is quite the power broker in the NFL. Um, we know mm-hmm. that. Um, and he's got more power than the owner in, in Buffalo does. And uh, you know, so that that's not going to change. I, I see what Buffalo's saying, but um, you know what? They, they, they're going to have to make it work up there it's, it, they're, they're, or, or find somewhere else. They're not going to go to Texas. Uh, Texas already has two teams. Uh, I don't see San Antonio getting a team. Um, you know, that, that could happen somewhere down the road, but I think there's other markets that the NFL would want to get into first uh, before they went and put another team in Texas. Uh, they, you know, uh, they, they would consider certainly going back to Oakland, possibly. Uh, they would certainly consider Portland. Uh, and if, you know, the Upper Northeast lost a team, uh, you know, they might consider another one there. So, um, you know, I don't think Buffalo is going to lose their franchise anytime soon. I'll be surprised okay. if that happens. I, I, I see, again, I see their argument, but I don't see it happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I got to agree with you on that, Roy. I, I just can't see, you know, Buffalo is uh, really <clears throat> ensconced right now and has been now that they have a team. Uh, you know, they were very competitive last year. They've got to be even more competitive this year. Uh, they're going to be right there, uh, along with the Patriots, along with the Jets. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't see Buffalo making a move. But uh, as Brett Frank said, you never can tell this, you know, in, in pro football. And uh, so we'll just we'll sit back and wait. Tommy, uh, anything, uh, anything on your mind that you want to touch on tonight before we jump to another topic? No, I think I think the didn't Buffalo Bills played a couple games in Toronto at the Rogers Center. And the interest is so big and poppy in the NFL in Toronto and Canada. I can see the Bills going up to Toronto and make permanent base there. Because the interest is there, uh, the backing's there in Toronto. 
They could, they love the NFL in Toronto. I could see there or maybe put them down Mexico City because they played a couple games in Mexico City. You never can tell. I mean, that, but I'm sure Buffalo, would, the Bills, they're strong there, but Toronto wants a team there in the worst way. This way here to have exposure. NFL will be exposure in in Canada, and you have players coming up there. Because look at half the players in the NFL played in the Canadian Football League before coming down here to uh, the NFL. Look at, look at Warren Moody played his years in Canada up there. So I think, that, I think if Buffalo is smart, if they want to move to be, 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 be in Toronto, they can still have the Buffalo fan base but travel up to Toronto watch their team, and this way it would be this way be a great move for both both Buffalo Bills and also the fans in Buffalo. Good point, Tommy. Uh, you know what? I, Tom, Tommy's onto something there. Uh, I think the NFL would, you know, Buffalo's, you know, kind of discouraged with what's happening there, and I, I'm not really sure why they would be, but um, maybe they're trying to get a new stadium built or uh, or something like that. I mean, you know, they, they've worked on the stadium they have, but it's, uh, it's still not quite up to date. But um, yeah, I mean, Mexico City is a possibility. Uh, certainly Toronto is. That makes all kinds of sense. Uh, the NFL would like to get into Toronto. And, uh, in fact, yeah. when I mentioned other cities like, like Portland and, uh, you know, maybe possibly Oakland again, since they're now in Vegas, uh, Tor- Toronto's right there. I, I think Toronto can't uh, – Mexico City and, uh, and Portland are probably uh, at the top of the list of the cities that they would want to go to. And, and they're open. They're wide open. Again, there's a lot of territorial rights that you have to – uh, deal with if you're trying to move a franchise and um, you know in terms of uh, television uh, you know uh, reach and that kind of thing and um, they wouldn't have a problem in Toronto or Mexico City uh, they would certainly have it in Texas no matter where they go and mm-hmm. um, again the, the power of the owners in those two cities in both Houston and Dallas uh, is so much is greater than what you have in Buffalo they're just they're not they don't have the power uh, politically or probably financially to make that work. Because, again, you're, what you're probably talking about as a fee to get into those markets in Texas, into a market in Texas, is probably a billion dollars or more in terms of some kind of a pay, right. some kind of mm-hmm. a fee paid to the, you know, uh, for infringing upon the territory of, uh, of Houston and Dallas. So it just becomes cost prohibitive, whereas if you move to Toronto, uh, well, again, I, I see them staying where they are, but, but Tommy makes a great point. Uh, Toronto and Mexico City, uh, they'd be much better off trying to make something work there than trying to get into Texas. Right, exactly. Troy, another, another topic to talk about uh, that's sort of newsworthy today, and that is Ohio State uh, made the decision that uh, their players are going to – they can be a part of uh, selling jerseys and all kinds of souvenirs and so forth, mm-hmm. and – uh, make money for the players. The Ohio University, Ohio State University, has uh, has approved it that the players can be involved in, in getting this money. Secondly, the SEC is going to get stronger in two years because Texas, uh, they're going to come over. The, they're going to be an unbelievable division. <laughs> they are already, but they're going to even be more. So Texas is going to be uh, one of the teams moving over. And the other thing, the third and final thing, would be the NCAA. Is coming down a little hard, or the or the rules are coming down on on the NCAA for what they've done with basketball, as opposed to some of the other sports. So touch on one of the three of those, Roy, and go to it. Yeah, I'll, uh, 
the SEC situation to me is right now the most intriguing. Um, you, you're talking about a, a super conference, which you know I think a lot of people thought the SEC was already. Um, and, but you start to wonder, is it going to get too big? Um, as it is, you know, and, and the SEC's got pretty stringent rules in terms of, you know, it's teams playing against each other. But unfortunately, you know, not everybody plays everybody, even, in, even within their division every year. So if you, if you expand now, um, I'm starting to wonder if, you know, maybe some of the lesser teams are going to get kicked out. You know, does, where does Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt go? Where does Mississippi go? Where does, you know, wh- where do some of those maybe lesser uh, teams, you know, the teams that aren't Auburn, Alabama, Florida, uh, Tennessee, where, where do they go? Is there, you know, is there a place for them? Can they, can they hold on to them? They probably can. And I'm sure the SEC, you know, as a whole would want to hold on to them because they, they want to beat up on somebody. It's getting tougher. Um, and it's not just Texas that wants in. Obviously, Oklahoma wants in. Florida State wants in. Um, you know, Miami may want in. A lot of teams want in. A lot of schools. Um, I think what you're going to see happen, though, is uh, in, in – and, again, it's good that they've got a couple of years to make this work. Uh, if you have a super conference like that, well, then what becomes of the other conferences? Um, you know, are we going to end up with, with just three or four conferences total? Is the Big Ten gonna, then going to expand? Uh, is the Pac-10, Pac-12 going to expand even further and, uh, and start to incorporate some of the teams from the, you know, from the ACC and things like that? You know, what, what's going to happen with these other teams? So uh, I think we're starting to look at a situation where maybe in five, ten years, and it may not even take that long, you could have four super conferences, which one reason the NCAA probably doesn't mind what it's, what's happening here is because it will make make it much easier for the playoff system to kind of work itself out naturally within divisions. Fewer fewer divisions or conferences with more teams makes it easier to work the playoff system. So they probably don't mind. In fact, they probably would love to see the Big Ten welcome in a couple of teams just like the SEC is going to do. Same with the Pac-12. Um, and, and maybe even, uh, you know, down, down west where Oklahoma and Texas used to be. So we'll see. Um, I, I, think, I think a lot of things can be happening here going forward. And, um, you know, the other thing, as far as the players getting the opportunity to, you know, use uh, their images and things like that and make some money off of it, I, I don't have a problem with it. Look, I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit old school on this too. You know, I, I grew up in an era when, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to, you know, take advantage of this i wasn't good enough athletically but those who are you know you do get a free education what you do with that education is up to you there's there's a value in that um but there's also a value in the fact that you know football college football college basketball college sports a lot of them anyway have become massive massive money makers and uh it's only right that the players that people are coming to see uh get get a piece of that and somehow some way and if they can make it work, good for them. Uh, you've seen a lot of, you know, some players uh, are doing things for others, more not just for themselves. It's not all about, you know, making sure I get some money out of this. There's a lot of them are donating the, the funds they're, they're, they're putting together for, you know, charitable uh, causes and things like that. And, um, and so I think there's a lot of good that can come of this. It's not complete. It's not a negative in my way in any way uh, or in my opinion in any way. Um, but I think there's a lot of good that can come of it. So those that kind of hate the idea, it's like before you before you you know judge it, let's see how it all works out over the first couple of years here. Tommy, any thoughts? Well, I, th- I think it's 
I think it's going to be a great conference up there. We're getting back to the NFL right now. Buffalo Cordona, Vancouver is another good thing. Vancouver, they could want to market out west. They could probably go to Ottawa because they have an AFL, they have a CFL team too. But also, where do you plan to or Edmonton up there, guys? Should they have a, a very successful, very successful team right there? So it could be very, very successful. What's going on with the NFL about the college football? I mean. I mean, just the SEC is a powerhouse already. You put Texas in there. You put everybody under under the sun. It's going to be a great football team in there. Well, it's going to be it's going to be crazy up there. You know, up, up there. So it's going to be good for good for football. Tommy, I'll, I don't I don't think I don't think you'll see I don't think you'll see uh, Vancouver, Edmonton, or, or or Ottawa be in the mix for a, for an NFL team. It'll it'll be Toronto and, and and maybe maybe you know many years down the road maybe Montreal gets in or something, but. I think Mexico City would get a team before uh, <clears throat> before before any of the others in, in Canada. But Tommy, I'm I'm going to leave you guys with this because we haven't touched on the NHL much outside of Tommy's uh, earlier comments about Tyler Johnson. Um, Tommy, uh, and, and it's partially because, in fact, it's 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 largely because they now have my favorite Lightning player in Yanni Gord. I'm a fan of of the Seattle Kraken guys. I, I love the logo. I like the team colors. I, I, I totally respect their general manager, uh, Ron Francis. He's, he's one of the better people in the game of hockey, period. Um, and I like what they did in the expansion draft. And uh, they got Yanni Gord, the light, in my opinion, uh, the Lightning's best player uh, after, well, after Braden Point, obviously, and Hedman and Vasilevsky, but probably my favorite Lightning player in Yanni Gord. Because of that, I'm a Kraken fan, guys. <laughs> Right before you, wow. before you leave, uh, we we haven't uh, done a uh, promo for your uh, your paper yet. Uh, so why don't you uh, let our listeners know what your other job is? Yeah, uh, my other job, the one that's paying the bills these days, uh, is uh, I'm the uh, in essence the managing managing editor for the Florida Healthcare News. Uh, it's online. You can look it up uh, through by looking up uh, Florida Healthcare News, or we have kind of a long wacky. Uh, site name is called ifoundmydoctor.com it's easy to remember not as easy it's all lowercase i found my doctor i found my doctor.com and we just write about uh, medical successes um you know people who uh, suddenly discovered they were having trouble with their eyesight uh, learned they had cataract surgery and uh, and, and we talk about breakthroughs in, in technology regarding cataract surgery vein surgery uh back surgery things like that um, a lot of non-invasive, non-surgical solutions for uh, just general, uh, you know, conditions that uh, everyday conditions that people have could be back pain, could be uh, uh, almost anything, you know, neck problems, uh, chiropractors, dentists, uh, you know, if you got a if you got a bad tooth, uh, you know, we we write about medical successes and breakthrough technology on uh, uh, that's available here in the state of Florida. But even if you're not in the state of Florida, you could look at the website learn about some of these uh, treatments, and uh, go to your doctor and ask him if you're having a problem with your back, a tooth issue, a uh, you know, problem with your eyesight. Uh, again, any kind of thing, heart problems. Uh, we, we write about uh, the latest breakthroughs in technology, even mental health. And, uh, and uh, we write about all those breakthrough technologies and uh, take a look at it. Again, it's, uh, just because they're doing it here, we're writing about it here in Florida, doesn't mean that these uh, treatments aren't available throughout the country. They are, and, uh, and you can get them there from your doctor. So take a look. It's Florida Healthcare News, 
or look it up at ifoundmydoctor.com, all lowercase, all spelled out. Uh, long one, but uh, but that's it. And thanks for uh, letting me give that plug, Frank. Good. I'm glad we glad, glad to do it. Well, thank you very much, Roy. We appreciate your your help again. And uh, each and every week, you're always well prepared. And, uh, Don certainly does uh, does help you uh, expand uh, your your knowledge of of uh, different sports. Yes, it does. <laughs> Pleasure's always mine, guys. One of the highlights of my week. I promise you that. Hey, hey Roy, 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 before you go, I got a funny story for you. Right? I was playing Hernando Oaks the other day, and I see I seen a, I seen a deer. You know, eating some grass up there. And right next to the deer is Ira Kaufman's favorite animal. <laughs> I'm doing that one. Uh, that would be an Slowly moving across the uh, the path of his drive. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> 50 yards off my drive. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Darn bird, well, 50 think... yards off my drive. Well, well Roy, thank, thank you as always very, very much. The first half hour is always a lot of fun. And uh, not only that, it's you know, very informative, I think, to a lot of folks because, uh, you know, we talk about so many different topics and try to touch on them as quickly as we can. And uh, as as Frank said, you're always a big contributor. We always learn something along the way. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me as always, guys. Have a great week. Uh-huh. Take Thank care, you. Roy. Uh, i got to check Thank with you. Frank here to see if Bill Berge's ready to go. Are we ready with Bill? Bill hasn't answered his phone yet. So, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Bill's not on the way to chat, so we can uh, take a few more minutes because uh, uh, we got a lot of th- a lot of things going on in the world of sports right now. And, oh, uh, the Orioles just had another home run. They're up on the Yankees, three nothing now, and they took the first Uh-oh. game of the series uh, very handily. And uh, can you imagine if the New York Yankees at home at Yankee Stadium after coming over a, after coming out of a five for six win pattern lose two and a three to the Orioles? That would be uh, <laughs> Almost unbelievable. Just, hmm? yeah, it'd be terrible losing to the Orioles. You know, they have the you know, Yankees, like I said, guys. He had the talent to take it take it to the next level, go all the way, and and the Rays are still battling in there, hanging in there. So I mean, it's uh, it's going to be interesting down the stretch. What's be going on in Major League Baseball? And we got football started up, and everybody's getting injured in football. Some of the major teams and and basketball's taking a back seat, and hockey's still in the free agent market right now. So it's and like Roy was saying, Yanni Gord's can make that Seattle team go. And guess who is the CEO and the chairman board of governors up there in, in yeah. Seattle's well, I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed we haven't haven't got Bill. Because I hope he answers the phone because I know he was a big Carson Wentz fan when he was a quarterback for the yeah. Philadelphia Eagles and. We talked for so many years, I think three in total, about the number of serious injuries that took him out of, you know, took him out of going to the Super Bowl and playing in year one. And then uh, after that, it came a controversy about whether he could play or couldn't play. And where right. the Eagles were going in that regard, I'm sorry that uh, Rogers not with us too because he was on top of that story. And uh, but Carson Wentz uh, uh, and and uh, Roy just touched on it. It's uh, very much up in the air uh, because they are going to do a, a, an operation on his foot, and they're saying mm. between five and eleven weeks, five and twelve—that's oh. a big spread. Five and twelve weeks, yeah, and a right, foot is much more uh, difficult to me to have this operation and have it come out correctly and have them able to play in, in that short a period of time. And Frank, maybe you have an idea about it. Or Tommy, go ahead. 
I, I think that, you know, that the, the Indianapolis Colts took a chance in Carson Wentz right there. Not quite happy. He's very injury-prone. injury, injury prone. Uh, You know, what can you do? Then you look down here at Tampa Bay, Tom Brady. And it's going to be interesting what these teams can do. I know it's August football. It's not All right, we'll, we'll get to Carson Wentz because we got a good guest on to talk about Carson Wentz as well. Billy Wernerdell is now with us. And, uh, uh, Billy, hey, Bill. first of all, welcome to the show. Looking forward to it. And uh, two things. First, we were in the middle of Carson Wentz in that situation. So I'll get your comment on that first because it doesn't seem five to 12 weeks or 11 to 12 doesn't seem to make very much sense to me. Well, the thing is, you mentioned it, uh, you and Frank mentioned about his injury, his propensity for injuries. I mean, it goes all the way back to high school. And there was some reservations, and there were clubs that kind of said, little, little reluctant to take uh, Carson Wentz at the top of the draft. Of course, the Eagles gave up a bundle of uh, draft picks to move up uh, to number two. And, of course, he had that great year that helped them win, go to the Super Bowl, but he got hurt. And then there was a, a, a series of injuries over the last number of years. And I just think when a player is injury-prone, like Carson Wentz, you don't know when he's going to break down again. This is a, a foot surgery, 5 to 12 weeks. That means he misses all of the, the preseason camp, uh, a couple of free games, how long it's going to take them to get up to speed? That's the big, big question. And it's just unfortunate. I mean, look, the Eagles got to say, well, we were lucky we were going to get a second-round pick. They were hoping for a first-round pick if he'd have made certain uh, incentives as far as playing time is concerned. But, again, this guy has a history of injuries dating back to his high school days. Why he wasn't heavily recruited, that was one of the reasons because – People said, can he stay healthy? Well, I think, too, Billy, that uh, we could touch on. Let me first of all say Bill Werndell has been with us many times, one of the outstanding sports broadcasters in Philadelphia, worked for the ABC TV station as well as CBS, has his own talk show daily in Philadelphia. And uh, so we always like to get Billy together to get a first-hand look at what's happening with the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the rest. We'll get to that in a second, but – uh, Billy, it's unusual because they say this injury could have gone back to when he was in high school, and uh, nobody well, seemed to have picked it, it up. And yet, his foot went, his bone in his foot went, and uh, two days later, today or yesterday, another player with the same injury that uh, it, it happened again. Uh, Quentin Nelson, their uh, all-pro guard. You know, right. you know, Don. We get back to the days when Doug Collin suffered the foot injuries the stress fractures in his, in his ankle. Remember that? And, of course, yep. we had Bill Walton, the same thing. I mean, it's amazing how many times the players today are just breaking down. I mean, Doug Collins was 25, 30 years ago. But the, it's amazing how many players are breaking down today. And I really believe we have to look at our conditioning of our athletes. I mean, back in the day, and I don't want to say – prehistoric times, but when we were growing up and we were young, you didn't see the amount of injuries you have today. You look at the IL in baseball. Every team's got 10 to 12 guys, and I'm not not counting guys with COVID. I'm counting guys with injuries. Jacob DeBrom is on his way, Cy Young. He's pitched about 14 innings for the whole season. I mean, we've got to look at the way we're 
preparing these people for a game action. It seems like we, we're not taking the right steps as far as what we do to prevent the injuries. I mean, I can remember, did you ever hear of an oblique? Did you ever hear of a pectoral or a torn tricep back in the day? No. These guys are so tight, they're, they're, they're like a rubber band. You can push it so far, and then it's going to snap. And I think this stuff, bigger, stronger, faster, means many more injuries. Well, Billy, you mentioned, uh, you know, Doug Collins, and, uh, of course, we were a big part of that uh, when Doug was a major player with the 76ers, and he kept coming down with stress fractures. They weren't really bricks. They were stress fractures, but they were just as debilitating as a break would have been. He couldn't play. Right. And, And the thing is, when you are prone to injuries, nine times out of ten, you can't get that off your back. You, when you have injuries after injuries, it keeps mounting up, mounting up, mounting up. And I think, you know, when you look at players today, you've got to really do your due diligence. As I mean, the Mets, you talk about an organization. You know, if I'm the owner, if I'm Cohen, the owner, and you drafted Camus Rocker, the 11th pick in the draft, and you believe Scott Boris when he told you, well, he's completely healthy. I wouldn't believe Scott Boris if, if he told me uh, that the, the ocean uh, w- was blue. I'd have to check out the ocean because Scott Boris is going to manipulate every owner and general manager he can. And I'd say, wait a minute. We're going to draft him, and we're bringing all the top 25 guys that we have on our board, we're bringing every one of these guys in right now for a physical, a comprehensive physical, and you'll find out. But how do you believe Scott Boris, of all people? Well, Bill, uh, before I break Tommy in and Frank uh, for the next uh, period here, but uh, one of the things that surprised me uh, with the Mets uh, and also with Major League Baseball, and I thought ESPN covered it very, very well. I did not know the rule, uh, and I was very happy to hear last night uh, uh, when they went over the fact that, now this young man, there isn't any uh, secondary draft like there used to be. Baseball's done away with that. So he can't be redrafted by another uh, another organization, even though he's basically a free agent. He could go back to college, but he has to play independent ball at best for a year, before he can sign with anybody. So uh, yep. to me, I think that's a, a really a restrictive rule within baseball. When the Mets gave up on it, and maybe correctly so, I certainly don't know, but when they gave up on him and said, no, we're going to sign him, you shouldn't restrict him from going to some other team and being able to play. You're, you're right about that. If the team wants to take a chance, if they passed on him, you're absolutely right, Don. They, another club, should have the opportunity because the Mets are going to get another first-round pick next year. You know that. So they have two first-round picks in in the first round. So the thing is that the Mets, I mean, let them go. Let them walk. He should have to play independent baseball. I don't know. I don't believe he has any eligibility left. Well, probably because last year was COVID-19 and everybody got another year of eligibility. He yeah, he does able. have. He has one more year at Vanderbilt yeah, that he can okay. still play. He should be able to go back to Vanderbilt 
if he wishes, all right? You know, and he can probably make a lot of money with his name, image, and likeness because they're paying athletes. And you know in the Southeast Conference, you know, baseball is a big, big sport. Well, let me go to Tommy now because he hadn't got this oar in the water here yet. Tommy, go ahead. Tommy there? Where'd Tommy go? Frank, you in? What's going well, you on? You carry the ball, Billy. I I want to get I wanted to get to one of your best He's topics anyway. I've been waiting all day to talk to you about this because you and I have talked for two, three years, off and on, many times very succinctly about gambling. Well, the National Hockey League has finally found a player. We can't accuse him because he hasn't been proven guilty yet. But we knew that this we knew it was going to happen, and it happened in the National Hockey League this week. And if you believe it's just the National Hockey League, Don, I'm going to sell you some land in the Everglades, all right? <laughs> I'm going to send you some prime real estate in the Everglades because it's all over. Believe me, this, this, this situation is going to spiral out of control because these organizations, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, you name it, they're in bed with the casinos. How about the Superdome in New Orleans renaming the Superdome uh, now the Caesars Dome for $138 million? All right, $138 million for the naming rights. Are you kidding me? And yeah, but Billy, we got Bally in Florida here where the the, uh, the Orleans and, and the Rays, they're, they're – they're sponsored by the Bally Television Network. Exactly. Well, again, let me tell you something. You make deals with that. I, I like to see the commissioners when they all have egg on their face and what they're <laughs> going to do because it's only a matter of time before it explodes right in their face. And instead of watching baseball, football, basketball, or hockey, we'll be watching WWF because every fan will have reservations about the outcome of games. Well, let's get back to baseball for a minute because, uh, <laughs> you know, Joe Girardi has finally gotten the Phillies a little bit uh, in the right direction. Uh, they made a win. They had a big win last night. Uh, had a big win coming from behind on Monday night. So they were too, but they're losing tonight. But at the same time, uh, you know, the, the Mets are coming backwards. The Phillies seem to be coming up. The Braves, I still think the Braves are the best team. Well, I don't know that whether they're going to have enough pitching to carry them, but tell us about the Phillies, Bill. You're right there. Don, the big problem with the Phillies, we all know, is the bullpen. The back end of the rotation, of course, they picked up Kyle Gibson. Now he pitched against the Pirates, who are a step above the minor leagues, all right? Then you have a situation with defense. Their defense is absolutely atrocious. They make so many mistakes, omission and commission. And, you know, you have to have good defense. And it's very unsettling when you have nine different guys patrolling center field. You've got to have a regular center fielder. I don't care what anybody says. You've got to have a regular center fielder. I'm an old school guy. I believe the center fielder is very important because you always want to build your team up the middle. Catcher second base shortstop, and center field. The great teams of all the years 
have always had a great, great center fielder. You agree with me on that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No question about it. And I think that, you know, that going back now for, to the pitching area, Billy, uh, they did make some minor moves. Nebraska did, uh, he picked up Kennedy. He pitched the other night. I watched him pitch two or, or, or inning and a half the other night. Uh, gave up a home run to make it, uh, what, 5-3. But anyway, that's immaterial. Seven five. They they did try to, yeah, 7-5, that's right. They they did try to come up with some kind of relief pitching where they're really hurting. But, that, you know, this is an indictment of the Phillies system overall. I mean, J.P. Crawford, I'm not saying he's a great shakes with the Seattle Mariners, but he's hitting 265, five home runs, 37 RBIs, but he was nothing in the Phillies system. The Phillies mm-hmm. have a way of of destroying young players. And they've got to look at their player player development part of their organization. Because if you can't develop players, you might as well throw in the towel. You should be able to, for years, the Dodgers had guys pushing other guys. And if, if they weren't going to be in the Dodgers, they'd move them in a trade. Uh, also, the, the Cardinals for many years, the Yankees, the great organizations have stressed player development. This right. organization, they, they're they ranked 23rd in Major League Baseball. They haven't been in the postseason since 2011. you got to be kidding me. What is going on with player development? I mean, are these all these guys are falling flat on their face. What's going on? Why can't they develop young talent? Well, I thought uh, Cashman made a great comment yesterday where they talked about uh, the Yankees and where their payroll is, and uh, you know they're they're trying to stay. They were trying to stay under the one hundred eighty million dollar figure. Uh, the Phillies are right up there. I mean, they're, they're already up there over the two. Uh, Hold the, on one the, second. You you mentioned one hundred eighty million dollars. That's chump change to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my name's not Billy Warndell. But you know, at least Cashman. At least Cashman said, "Hey, we're six and a half, seven games back, but we're not going to just throw in a towel. They go out and pick up Rizzo and Gallo. Gallo's an outstanding defensive player, and he strikes out a lot, but he's still got some ability. He's a great defensive player, and Rizzo's already won three games for them. I mean, what are the Phillies though? Why don't they get these kind of? You need a you need a shortstop. You need a center fielder." You need relief pitching. You're spending all this money. The owner says money is immaterial. We'll spend the money. Where where are they doing it? Don, the biggest mistake Mr. Middleton made, I don't care what anybody says, and if Mr. Middleton was on your show, I'd ask him this question. Scott Boris has used so many owners. Well, he likes to get the owners involved in negotiations. The hell with the baseball people. So he gets uh, Middleton in a room, and he's throwing out all these numbers about Harper. Why? And you, I, I can't understand. You, why would you sign a player for 13 years when he's 26 years old? Here's what I say. And when he says, I'm going to spend foolish money, he should have used that money in player development. Instead of spending all in on one player, I'm not saying Harper's not a good player, a very good player. I'm not going to consider him a great player, 
But, you know, when you look at that, the Dodgers offered Harper, my friend in California, who's a sports talk show host, five years, $200 million. Take it or leave it. Boris said, no, I'm going to find a sucker that will sign my guy for 10 or 12 years. He did it with Kevin Brown. He did it with A-Rod. And now he's got John Middleton. John, welcome to the club. Well, I think, uh, you know, all sports that we can talk about it over and over again are going crazy. I mean, Paul out in Arizona now, he had a great playoff series. He's a better great player than he had, but he's 36 years old. And they just signed him on a four-year contract. I mean, how could you sign a 36-year-old, regardless of, the, of his ability, he's got to have one, he'll have another great year next year, or at least exceptional. I won't say great, exceptional year next year. But he's got to bring the ball up. He's got to control the offense. He's got to play 30 minutes a game. The guy's got to, he's 36 years old, and you're giving him a four-year contract? Don, it makes no sense at all. There was a great line from the late Branch Rickey, who was uh, the mastermind of the farm system, when he was with the Pirates. And Ralph Kiner went in to his office one day, and the Pirates were just atrocious. And Ralph wanted a big raise. And Branch Rickey looked at Ralph Kiner and said, Ralph, we can finish in last place with you or without you. (laughs) Simple as that. See, these owners, again, these owners don't understand. The the best owner I've ever come across in Philadelphia was Ruby Carpenter. When he took Mm -hmm. over for his father, he emphasized building a farm system and making judicious signings. But, but Billy brought in great crazy. scouts, too. He had Dallas Green there. He had Snaxy Shore. He brought Snaxy Shore, who was really a big part of building the Cincinnati Big Red Machine. And what did he yeah. do? He brought him into Philadelphia to, to work with the uh, with the scouts and to develop young minor league players. And that You're right. Yeah. I mean, that's what Ruley Carpenter did. Well, look, you have to be smart. You have to say, okay, we got to develop players. We got to get a player and a half every year, every year or two, where who is who is pushing a starter in our lineup. We, we have to have somebody that's right there. That we have two first basemen, one at the major league level, one at the minor league level. We have two second basemen, a, a, a shortstop, a third baseman. You have to have that in order to to be a successful major league program. You must have that. If you don't, forget about it because your organization is going to be nowhere. When you can't develop players in your system, that's an indictment of your system. Billy, we've talked uh, for the last five years now about the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, You're very close to the Eagles. You're a part of their broadcast team and have been for, what, 25 years. And uh, you and Merle Reese and, and, and so forth. So, uh, Mike Quick, but my point is we talked about administration with the Philadelphia Eagles as well. How do they go about deciding what players to trade, what players to move on, how they recruit, or not necessarily recruit, but how they scout? And, uh, again, we go right back to what you're saying. Administrate. Are they going to be good enough this year? Are they going to be able to move up because it's a lousy division? This is the time to make your move. Can they do it? They'll, they'll be 6-11. and 11. Seven and ten. That's what I see on this football team. I'm gonna be seven honest. and ten. Seven and ten is going to be a good year. Six and eleven more like it. But you know, you have 
an offensive line, if it stays healthy, could be very good. You have a young quarterback. Is he going to develop and be the quarterback because you expended a second-round pick for him? And the other thing is, how much control is the head coach going to have on his 46-man roster when they play on Sunday? You know, how he likes to keep his hand on everything. And I think a good general manager, he talks to the head coach because he's with the players every day, and you discuss it and say, should this guy be on the roster? And the coach says, no. Well, he sees the player every day. He watches video of the player every day. And you should trust your coach. You're the general manager who's going out to procure talent. It's last year I got castigated by everybody, Merle Reese, Bob Groats, all the reporters, Paul Domowicz, all these guys well-respected. When, when Zach Ertz did not sign his extension, I said, now is the time to move him. And these guys jumped all over me. What, are you crazy? And every one of these guys came back and said, you are point on. Once he turned down that, that contract because he was an aging player, and you, as Paul Brown once said, They'll be tolerated until they can be replaced, and I'll live by that credo for the day I die. That's the way you build a team. You, you have to know when to move a guy. You have to have a feel. And a lot of these people in sports today, they don't have a feel because they don't have an experience. They haven't come up through the ranks. Baseball has all these analytic people. Football has analytics. Basketball, they've ruined the games. And they, the sports should be ashamed of themselves to rely on guys who are at MIT and Harvard and Dartmouth and all these places. I want people to be able to identify talent. I want people to know, is this guy a good player? Is this guy, what kind of demeanor does he have? Is he a tough guy? Is he work hard? The whole deal. But they, they get all these people with all these numbers, and they run them by you. It's just terrible. <laughs> Billy, uh, yeah. I tell you, it's always a pleasure. I look forward to being with you tomorrow around two thirty, and uh, well, continued success Roger there Hendler? in Philadelphia. And, and what, we'll get together uh, Don, again. Roger, and what, more importantly, uh, thank you very much for your time tonight. You sort of Roger's covered up on for the road a, tonight. a miss yeah, or Roger's road, so on the road. Appreciate tonight, it. Rogers on the road. Thanks, Billy. Yeah, he had to. He, he's, uh, I've tried to call him a couple times. His, his phone's on uh, disable. I guess he's on the way to the bank taking but, taking uh, Don's paycheck to him. <laughs> Absolutely, I believe that. All right, so my check, my paycheck would bounce. <laughs> see, see you guys later. Bye bye. Take care, right, Billy. Thank, thank you. Bill Matthews is out next. We're going to get back. We'll get back to baseball with Bill Matthews. Maybe we'll learn something this half hour. Uh, we were okay until Frank came in, and we we went downhill. But <laughs> no, I say that. Bill, can, Bill, can we do anything with Frank? Can we get, you know, can we up his uh, quality a little bit? I'm going to stay out of that conversation. I'll play the fifth. <laughs> hey, I do pretty good oh, for a guy. Oh, I only went to fifth grade. <laughs> Bill Matthews, our special guest now, but Bill, you're following a tough act with Billy Wardell, but. Uh, baseball has, uh, is the order of the day. We're coming down to the best part of the year, uh, August and September. Uh, the Rays have made a move and, and gotten up there close. The Yankees are went out and spent a lot of money to get some people. Uh, 
Give us an idea first. Let's talk about the division first of all. How do you see the how do you see the Rays now, the Red Sox and the Yankees, and what do you think? Well, you know, it's it's an interesting year. Um, the Rays have 15 guys, all relievers, on the IL right now, which is astronomical, and they're and they're still winning ball games. Uh, the Red Sox and Yankees have put some money uh, into in, into trying to get better. I, you know, I I gotta say that I I think the Rays, because of the way they approach the game, uh, with a, with a nine man approach as opposed to a three four five man approach offensively. I think the Rays will get the nod. I think they get the edge. Um, now, of course, the starting pitching, I mean, they, they got some no names. They, they're still using Michael Walker. They've got uh, Padino. I mean, they've got, they've got some guys who just are, are, are surprising us. Josh Fleming. I mean, guys you never heard of who are given three, four, five, sometimes six innings. Uh, Patino is a real find. I mean, they, they took a chance and got rid of a big arm to pick up Patino and he's, he's stepped up his first two starts. Now, naturally it's the injury bug. Can you avoid that? Um, that that's, that's a huge part of this process. Um, the Yankees, I mean, they've got a lot of broken guys out there right now. Uh, guys heal up and then they break and they heal up and they break. Um, I don't know how many times they, they've had the two big guns in the lineup at the same time um, this season, but it's uh it's it's really fun. The American League East is it's like it's like trying to practice in a shot put field. You know, you're just trying to step away from holes so that you don't don't have something happen to uh, to take the wind out of your sails. It's it's a great division to watch, man. I, I had all six games, uh, three with the Red Sox, three with the Yankees, um, and and watching those games, especially the last game against Boston, at first and third, bottom of the uh, top of the ninth, one out, and the Rays get out of it. I mean, it's just, it was a playoff atmosphere. People on their feet, screaming, chanting, brooms waving in the air. I mean, it's, uh, the Tampa Bay fans are buying in, and that's great to see. Um, I think that maybe, uh, maybe I'm incorrect, maybe you'll correct me on this one. I I think that uh, Sunday's game uh, against the Yankees was uh, really a key game for going into August. I just felt that uh, if they had lost all three, even though they had great success, won what six out of the first seven, even if they had, uh, even if they had, uh, had lost that game, I think that would have been a, a, a tough momentum changer. Well, you know what's interesting when you, when you play the Yankees, you know it, it it doesn't matter if it's 2021 or if it's 1956 or if it's 1989 or if it's the year 3000, you're still playing the Yankees. You know, and the mentality of going into a game like that, facing the bombers, you you gotta you gotta produce, you gotta be at the top of your game all the time, because they got the money, because they got the guys who can beat you with one swing up and down the lineup. Um, I, I agree. I think it would have been key, but you know these guys with the with the Rays, they just have this. Uh, they have a knack for finding the guys who they don't really care how good they are. They think they're better than they are. And the mental approach at the plate and the mental approach on the mound, I mean, these guys these guys are locked in. You know, they're guys who want to fight to keep their position. They're not guys who are being paid to have the position. And that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Well, the Yankees just tied up the Orioles 3-3. Oh. They just got a big base hit with a runner on third. So the Orioles and Yankees are tied up uh, 
uh, I think they're in the fourth inning. I'm not sure whether it's the inning. Tommy, are you with us yet? Yes, sir. I'm great. Bill, how are you doing tonight? How's, how's things down in the ballpark? I miss going down there, Bill, but how, how's Dukes and everybody down there? Everybody's doing great, man. Everybody's wondering where you are and asking about you. And I told them I was going to be talking to you on Wednesday night. And it's great yeah. to hear your voice, buddy. It's good to hear you. It's good to hear your voice. Wow. I mean, this is, I watched the Rays game, you know, a little bit, a little bit today and that, but I, I still think right now, you know, with the, with the, with the additions that Rays made in the trading deadline, they're going to hang tight. They're going to hang real tough right now. Boston's not that good a team right now. Rays should overtake them. And the Yankees will be in second place once again when the Rays win the American League East again. That's my prediction, Bill. You heard it. You tell that to the guys down there. I heard it. I heard it here first. I'll, I'll share right. that. <clears throat> you think Boston's going to bottom out? That's interesting. I, I think they're going to bottom out. I, I just I don't care for Boston to begin with. I hope everything but the worst for Boston and and the Rays are a <laughs> baseball team. They got to pull for the Rays right now. That's what I'm. That's what I'm doing for. You know, a question of the day. Why are the Cleveland Indians changing their name to Guardians? I, I, I still can't figure that out. <laughs> well, you know, I, I saw the five choices, and, and in my own personal opinion, Guardians would have been my last choice. But I didn't know about I didn't know about the bridge. I didn't know about the Guardian Bridge with the gargoyles. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it's history, it's heritage, it's tradition. Um, I you know I, I don't know that would have that would have been my last choice I, I I don't I don't have a good reason fans loved it um, I don't know what the age bracket or the the demographic was of the folks who voted for that it may have been all people who were over sixty who uh, who, who knew the the history of the of, of the Guardian Bridge um, folks under thirty may not know that um, I mean it's amazing how many people don't know Mickey Mantle right now you know so it's hard to uh, it's, it's, it's hard to determine how they came to that, but it was a vote, and the public voted, and that's what they wanted. I, remember, I still remember going across that bridge. You used to get traffic was backed up going into the city. It was, it was awful. But, it, it, Bill, if you take out one of your old media guys at the Cleveland Indians and Bart put something in there about how they need to name from honor of a chief, they used to be up in Lake Erie, uh, when the tribe in Lake Erie said so name them Indians in honor of, in honor of the, the chief. That's why he's, you know, these baseball guys should go through their innings meeting guy. Bart Swain does a great job. He's a little piece yep. there. says what happened, how the innings were named. If they would wake up and smell the coffee, we have to, we'd be losing a great name. Cleveland Indians now, now the Guardians, like, oh, boy. So fans out there, every Indian, <laughs> Indian stuff, hang on. It's going to be worth some money someday in the open market. <laughs> no doubt. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, at the Rays 40-man roster here, guys. And if you want to have a, a, an interesting baseball experience, go to the 40-man roster online and, and tell me how many of these names you could actually pick out if you saw them walking down the street. It's an amazing roster. I mean, guys like Fire Eisen, Lewis Head, DJ Johnson, Chris Mazza, um, Colin Pochet, Rasmussen, Cody Reed. These are guys that if they walk by you on the street, you would have no idea that they're major league baseball players. Right. But yet they're stepping up in the big leagues and they're they're throwing innings. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy what they're doing right now. They're they're a fun team to watch. So it's, it's Kevin Cash does it. Kevin Cash is Cash Kevin's way, and look what he's done. You know, went to the World Series last year, won a championship with the city in baseball. 
You see what he do the same thing this year. He's going to be like he's going to be like a John Cooper, learn by your mistake. And he's going to win the World Series. You wait, you wait and see. Tampa Bay, yeah, no doubt. You know, I mean, they, uh, Kevin does a great job of mixing analytics with instinct. Um, they 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 allow him to do that. Some clubs now have gone straight to analytics, but the Rays allow him to use his gut. And, um, he he very seldom does he make bad decisions. You know, it's. Uh, it's 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 pretty interesting how well he knows his team. Um, he he's he's inside everybody's head. He knows their strengths. He knows their weaknesses. He knows he's got a longevity. He knows he's good for short spurts. Um, and and you can say the say the same thing about Cora. You say the same mm-hmm. thing about Boone. But Cora and Boone are dealing with the management of egos, and the Rays. I mean, who on this team could have an ego? Most of these guys haven't even been in the big leagues more than four or five years, and parts of those years only. Well, I think, you have to, I think you have to add to that the fact that uh, not only does he manage the team well, and uh, but I think he also manages, and now he doesn't have the New York press or the Chicago press or Los Angeles press, uh, but he handles a post-game interview as well as anybody on television. And he handles the media during spring training, he handles the media during the regular season. I think that's one of the attributes of Cash that, that is not really talked about very much because, in all honesty, he's if he's not the best, he's very close to it. What do you think? And he's got, Yeah, he's got the advantage of having writers and sportscasters down here who are not venomous. Um, they, they, they're, they're good baseball people. They're objective writers and objective commentators. Um, they're not going after him. They don't think they know more than he does. He's really got the advantage of, of not having an adversarial press corps chasing him down, and I think that makes it easier for him to express his ideas and, 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 and let people know what he's thinking and why he's doing what he's doing because he doesn't have somebody in the background saying, ah, no, 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 no. He doesn't have the New York Post or, or, or the Globe breathing down his neck. You know, it's uh, – I think I think that really lends itself to him being a little more comfortable, a little more confident in what he says and does. The other thing that uh, I'd like to touch on, you talked about the Rays and the makeup of their players and the name, you know, the the household names of the players that are there. But uh, you look at Cash for the same thing with the with the Yankees. Everybody wrote the Yankees off for the last three weeks. If you read the New York papers, you would think the Yankees going to win any games. That, and Cashman goes out and gets two players for nothing. I mean, he gets Rizzo, and the and the and the Cubs are going to play the two. They're going to pay the remaining two million five hundred thousand dollars of the his contract for this year, and he gets Gallo at the same time. Two two key players: one solid defensive player, one marginal offensive player, one good offensive player, and great defensive player, and puts them in the lineup. And look what's happened. And won six out of the last seven. Yeah, and, and, and who um, who would have thought that those two guys – well, let, let me say it a different way. Who, who in that lineup has the ability to move runners? they got a lot of guys who can drop the big bomb, <clears throat> but do they have the guys who can, who can move runners along? Now, they've won six out of seven. Look at who they've played. Um, it's, there's a lot of games left. There's 50-plus games left. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how those two guys add to that lineup. If, uh, if, if, if Stanton can stay healthy, 
um, with with those other guys in the lineup, yeah, I mean they're going to be tough to compete against. But and the big but is their starting pitching. The starting pitching. And the other thing is that not only Rizzo hit, not only did he hit six home runs in in, in what seven games, and yeah, three crazy. of them for the Yankees, but he won two ball games with his defense. The double yep. play set up the other day. Uh, the play made it first. I mean, he's a he's a complete player. There's a guy that to me would be one of the most sought after players in all of baseball. How can you get him to go to the Yankees? And Chicago pays the fee. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, I I can't. I can't figure out how those guys handle their checkbooks. It's it's just it's it's amazing to me that uh, you you wonder. You wonder what the whole conversation was about. Was there was there talk about maybe a, a return the favor kind of thing down the road? You know, you you, you never know at that level. Um, right. It's but they get the right. checkbook to afford it. So if they get, if they get the checkbook to afford it, why not go for it? Why not just say, hey, okay, here you go. We'll give you this, but you need to cover this, and we'll you know we'll make it up to you down the road. I think that's how that stuff works. Well, maybe I don't know. I always like to talk to you about the umpires too, because you're a, you're a close <laughs> observer. You're a close <laughs> observer of the umpires, and I'm a close observer. Of the, I, I watched the Yankee game the other night. I, they didn't know what the final score was until they got to the post game show, because it was a play <laughs> where the, they didn't know whether the seventh run had scored. They, they were all calling six to five, and then in the post game show, they said, "Oh no, the umpire at home plate said that that run did count. He scored before the play was made at third base." So the game final score is seven to five. Well, <laughs> you know, that, that's <laughs> unbelievable. Well, you know, I, I've got to say that to umpire at the big league level, um, it, it takes a certain kind of makeup. The the major league baseball average right now for correct calls is 97.95%. So that means these umpires are missing 2.05% of the pitches. And if you figure the average game throws about 280 to 300 pitches in a game, you're missing 2% of that. 2% of 300 pitches, that's, that's pretty good. You know, when you're, when you're figuring you're 294 out of, or 295 out of 300, um, and most, and, and there's two or three guys who are at 99.8. So these guys, they don't, they don't, they don't miss too many calls. Now you get the Angel Hernandez, you get the Joe West of the world. You know, Joe's 68, sorry, maybe he's 70 by now, and, and he's he's still out there umpiring because he doesn't want to step off the field. Angel is just a he's he's controversy no matter where he goes. He's a strong individual with a with a strong opinion. Um, you know, you get those kind of characters, but the young guys coming up. Um, I, you know, I, I like him. I, I, I enjoy watching. I sit with Richie Garcia at, sometimes at the park. Charlie Relaford is our umpire uh, evaluator. He sits behind me. I talk to those guys a lot. I bring them in to talk to my coaching classes at the college. Um, it, it's the, the, the training and uh, the psychological side of umpiring. They spend a lot of time with that and, and, the, and the pressure. I mean, these guys, you think my job's tough. Nobody sees my job, you know. They see on the scoreboard, oh yeah, an error, so what? But when an umpire blows a call, oh, how about a review? When you get a call reviewed and they overturn you, and you're the guy who's the crew chief who's got to go out and say, yeah, it's safe, not out. That that takes a certain kind of characteristic to be able to pull that off, because you're being proven wrong in front of forty thousand people, and you're the one that's got to say, yeah, I was wrong. Okay, he's safe. I mean, that that takes a kind of makeup that uh, not everybody has. 
Tommy? Oh, that's that's right, because you, you know me as umpires. <laughs> well, you know, I've always said, you know, if, if, you, if you can't play and you can't coach, you umpire. And if that's you can't it. umpire, you coach softball. <laughs> that, that's right. I mean, it's <laughs> – so, Bill, how's Duke's doing down there? Duke's, Duke's the doing great. He's, oh, my gosh, he's he's wonderful. You know, he takes care of everybody. He's uh, he's a he's a calm presence in the in, in the press box. He's uh, a God. He's diehard Ray fan. It's unbelievable. I think he is uh, everything he, he wears has a logo on it. Um, he's he's doing he's doing great. He's doing great. I saw Rick Vaughn a couple of weeks oh. ago. Uh, he's doing well. Uh, Davy Haller has moved on. He's taken a, a step to join his two brothers in the D.C. area, and they have a huge landscaping firm. And he's been brought in as the chief uh, marketing officer, and they're they're hey. doing great guns. So a lot of changes in the drop. The only, I guess, one of the few constants left is me. This is year number, <laughs> gosh, I don't know, 14, 15 for me. So, right. How's RV, how's RV doing? <laughs> He's doing great. He's doing great. He's running Joe's Foundation, uh, Respect good. 90 Foundation, and they're they're just they're doing great guns. They're doing good things for good people and recognizing those that uh, that give of themselves. They're they're a special bunch. Is it more difficult to be an official scorer today than it was, say, eight years ago? We talked about how many years you've been doing it, uh, either yeah. coaching or, or official scoring or whatever the case may be. Is it more difficult today or is it better because of the replay that you, you pretty much have a chance to, to, to look at it a little bit more thoroughly? Yeah, it's it's easier. Um, now now we, have, uh, we have two computer programs that we run during the game. They run on a little bit of a delay, so we still have to make the call, and then we can look at the the, the uh, instant replay on the uh, on the it's called NORAD on the program that we have. Um, back in the day, the PR directors could come down and they could have cost you in the press box, and and you know you're gonna look at that. You know, now they don't do that because now the players all have an app on their phone, the agents have an app on their phone, coaches and managers have an app where they can just click to the play, turn it in for review. There's no reason for the PR guy to even get involved. So there's no more confrontations. I, I used to love that. I used to love the guy coming down saying, nah, 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 nah. and I'd say, okay, you know, slow down, slow down. <laughs> Stay with me you, know, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to get excited. But now um, I, I think it's become, it's become easier to be more accurate, and I think that's a good thing. Um, I, I think it makes people understand that our goal is really to be objective and that's why we use the replay on our own, on the program that we have, on our laptops that we run during the game. And I think, uh, I think the focus on objectivity has, has really kind of made everybody realize, okay, you know, these guys really aren't the enemy. They're really trying to do the job to the best of their abilities. And, uh, and though I love the confrontation in the press box, I kind of miss it a little bit. I think it, mm-hmm. I think it lends itself to being uh, a little bit easier to focus on the job at hand. So, yeah, I think it's easier now. I really do. Well, the other thing is you focused on all parts of the game. As I said, we talk about coaching, we talk about the umpires, we talk about official scoring. You've been involved in so many things. As we look forward to 2022, are we still going to have a runner on second base for extra innings? Are we still going to only play seven innings instead of nine for a doubleheader? Are we still... uh, uh, some of the things that have been introverted, it brought into, are we going to have a DH in the National League next year? Some of those things, touch on one of them one at a time. 
Um, I think there's, there's some players' union decisions that have to be made, especially in, in the realm of, of, of having the DH, um, of having the runner at second base. Because the reason you use the runner at second base is to save arms and cut down on pitches because everybody now is throwing 99 to 103 and you're one pitch away from a devastating arm injury, so they want to try to limit the amount of pitches guys are throwing. Um, I don't think there'll be a DH in the National League next year. I do think there will be one within five years. Okay. I, think the runner at second, I think the runner at second base will be – continued but won't be implemented until the 12th inning I think they're going to give everybody two extra innings to score on their own this is my opinion just my opinion um, I think those are the two those are the two that I, I think the shift I think the shift is going to disappear within two or three seasons um, because I think the shift gives baseball too much of a um Kind of, in, it gives it a lot of negative feedback because what do you hear? What's the first thing out of somebody's mouth? Well, why don't why do they hit it the other way? My God, there's nobody on the left side of the field. Well, the reason they can't hit it the other way is they shift that way because the guy on the mound is throwing 95 to 99 in on your hands, and you can't go the other way. So I think it. I think the bad publicity and and feedback of the shift is going to eliminate that within two years. I think you're going to go back to maybe modifying one player 10 steps one way or the other, but you're not going to move three guys to the right side of the infield and put the second baseman in short right field. I think that's going to disappear. Okay. That's just my opinion. Well, my thought was that I was always old school. I believed in the National League rules. I believed in, you know. But now in the last few years I've changed my mind. The reason I've changed my mind is for the designated hitter in the National League. And that's not because it gives that player an extra year, a couple of years to play because he's going to hit home runs or he's going to do something. It's because I don't think it's fair to the pitchers who have gone from maybe high school to college to junior college to the minor leagues to the major, and never hit. And never hit. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to put them in a major league situation and you're going to put them in the batter's box and they're really defending themselves. They're not hitting. They're just defending yeah. themselves. Especially on the pitch that's up and in or in on the hands, you know you worry you worry about the damage that can do, and these guys don't know how to react to that. You know another another rule that I think is going to be in baseball permanently is the three batter minimum. Um, mm. Baseball is going to keep that rule because it it does it shortens the game maybe by a minute and ten seconds, but it still shortens the game. But it also forces pitchers to pitch, and it makes guys earn their check instead of just being matchup guys. Uh, you know, Randy Choate, perfect example. You know, Choate used to come in and face one guy four times a week, and he made a career out of that. He mm-hmm. faced four batters a week in four different games. He'd get a great paycheck, and that was all he was doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. He had the ability to no. do it. But now, I think making guys face three batters, it kind of adds an interesting offensive angle to the game. And that's what the baseball's looking for. They're looking for more offense, and they're also looking for shortened games. But the Rays, hmm. Rays don't play anything under three hours, so I can sit here and say that all I want. But, oh, my goodness, these guys, some of these guys get on the bump and they're a rain delay. It's unbelievable. Okay. Tommy, you're up. Which is, which is irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy up there. 
Hey, but, Bill, I remember that one Boston game years ago. Remember that Boston game years ago? It was a Sunday night game. It went 15 innings, and you had to do a baseball camp the next day. <laughs> 16. It went 16 innings. As a matter of fact, right. that game, we still, we still have the record for most pitchers appearing in a game. We had 21 pitchers <laughs> appear in that game. Like, I, yeah, I, I, had to, I ran out of paper. There was nothing I could do. I went home. I got about four hours right. sleep. I got about four hours sleep, and I was back with 100 kids in, in, uh, at, at 8 a.m. It was crazy. I remember RV bought pizza to the press box. It says, yeah. get this yeah. thing over with, please. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was RV. That was RV thing, man. He'd always say, okay, we get to the 14th, we're getting pizza. That night we get to the 16th. I was waiting for, I was waiting for bacon and eggs in the 16th. <laughs> I know. I kid it to this side, Dave. He says, hey, we, we have continental breakfast today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the best story, Bill, from the race game, the late Jim McKean and I were sitting together, right? You know, and he said, yep. this is when John Fresno was doing the operations there, right? Yeah, yeah, says, yeah. Tommy, go get that pizza. Tommy started eating like nothing. I said, go get it. I'll go, go, listen to Jim. And guy, John says, where's that damn pizza? What Tommy ate? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, Franzone's still doing an unbelievable job with the Lightning. He does all of their Oh, I know. Oh, my God. What a guy he is, boy. I'll tell you what. That was a mistake letting him go. He's the best around. Well, you know, you know, a funny story about that, Bill, right? I was in that office one day doing some work. I seen John sitting in the chair being interviewed. I said, what the hell happened? You know, this one girl, she's, she's no longer with the, with the organization. You know, I looked at it. I said, Hope, hire this man. This man is a legend. He did a great job with the raise. And I went to Bill Wickett's office. Same thing, Bill, hire John. He just got let go by the race. He do a great job for us. Every time I see John, he always gives me a smile because I spoke up for him. He did a great job for the race. He did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Hey, Bill, how, how are you on on the analytics? Are you a big, strong analytics guy? Uh, you know, I'm not big. I'll be honest with you. I'm not big on on uh, spin rate. Um, I, I think it's. I think it's. It's almost like when we go back to the to the invention of the radar gun. When the gun comes out, everybody started to hurt their arm. Right. Now everybody's so concerned with spin rate, they're trying to th- throw the slider harder. They're trying to throw the curveball harder. I think it's kind of the same same situation that we ran into with the with the uh, with the invention of the radar gun. I think it, it makes guys it makes guys just try to do things that they're not capable of doing. Um, I don't like I don't like loft angle. I think that's a horrible way to teach kids how to hit. I think you see a lot of little leaguers and high school kids swinging from their back hip up to the moon instead of trying to swing through the pitch. I'm not I'm not a big fan of that at all. And a lot of guys now are getting away from that and they're going back to the you know the hard through the middle extend out front kind of swing where you just you get more plate coverage. Um, I think. Uh, I think the all of the I don't even know how to describe it. You know, all of the uh, batting average with balls in play and 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 wisp and and I mean all of these new fangled things. They're so complicated. It's you know your brain needs to stop when you hit. You need to hit dumb. You don't need to hit with numbers in your head. And I think what analytics does is it, it jams up the neurons for a lot of hitters. The race, for example. The Rays don't let their hitters watch video in between the bats anymore. They stop that. 
because guys were, guys were analyzing it so much it was actually slowing their reaction time. Um, so I, I, I'm not, I got to agree. I, 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 I the think there are certain it. aspects of it are, that are very good, but I think that they've just so overdone, in my view, that's my view, and I'm not that close to it. I'm about there every day. But uh, it, it just, to me, seems to me that it's overkill. Everything now. I mean, I don't care what it is. Uh, uh, they've got an answer for everything. Well, 3% of this, uh, you know, yeah. he's going to throw 36 curveballs during the course of the game. So remember, the second time you're up, if he threw you two fastballs the first time, chances are 36% he's going to throw you a curveball to start the next time. What the hell kind of a <laughs> I mean, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Willie Mays had yeah, the right idea. Also, you see the ball, you hit the ball, that's it. That's what the game's all well, about. Yeah, and another another stat that kills me is the catch percentage. Well, that had a that has seventeen percent catch percentage, and the guy catches it running hard with fully extended arms. So that means he had an eighty three percent chance of missing it, but he caught it relatively easily. That's where guys like uh, Kiermaier they blow up those stats. You know, the catch percentage is seventeen percent, and he's catching it a hundred percent of the time. Well, that 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 that's a faulty stat if that's the case. So, but here's the other side of it. There's a lot of guys getting let go by teams. Uh, a lot yeah. of scouts. Well, as I say, the game has changed and so much. Being, I, I watched the Yankee you. game against Miami the other day, and and uh, they got Diaz in the lineup. I think he was hitting eight, 123. I mean, how the hell can you be in the major leagues hitting 123? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. Bill, we got to run. The- we got to go to the golf story next. Thank you so very, right, very guys. much for all your time. I Thanks, love it. Bill. Call me anytime. I love you guys. Be safe. Thank be you, well. Bill. Thank you, Bill. Take care, partner. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. A stranger. A man that's been Done. on the road that we haven't talked to in, a, I think, about a year and a half now. <laughs> Get, gets a new Done. job, and we never, we never hear from him anymore. Doug Hamilton, our PGA pro from down in Baltimore with the hey, Orioles. John, before we do that, we have a, we have a uh, PSA we have to do. Uh, we got just got a, a text that we have to do a PSA right now, um, and it's a happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, dear Dougie, happy birthday to you. Oh, boy. Well, um, <laughs> 40, 46 things. this year? Forty forty seven. I wish I was still forty. Forty seven. <laughs> well, Doug, it's nice to have you rejoining us. Uh, how's everything at Baltimore before we get into golf and football and baseball yeah. and everything else? How's the uh, every- How's the new job going? And uh, how are things at Baltimore? Everything Everything's good. I can tell. Um, I'm touched, Don, that you missed me. Um, first of all, because. That was a nice that was a nice introduction and segue. Um, you know, I just I just saw my mom last night and uh she's obviously listening to this. And um my birthday is actually Monday, but obviously she's she's alerted someone that, that my birthday uh is is uh near. So, you know, because of the, the Dougie thing, there's really only maybe two or three people that actually call me that. Um, which is cool. Um it's it's certainly better than my given name, which is Douglas, which um, Dad, I know you're listening too. I, there's only one person that's ever called me that in my entire life, and I could be in a crowd of like a hundred thousand people, and if I heard Douglas, I would stop on a dime, you know, because that's just, you know, it's just one of those things, I guess. Um, but 
everything here in Baltimore is good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm joining you live from my back deck here where it's probably about 68 to 70 degrees. It's a beautiful evening mm-hmm. here. Um, you know, just sitting out here, hanging out, um, you know, talking to you guys and the job is good. Um, realistically, I feel like I have another maybe six weeks of grind here in this season as we, as we get to the Labor Day time frame. Um, right. You know, with, well, it's a little, it's a little more resorty where I am with, with a lot of our members that um, live in Florida. So they'll like right after Labor Day uh, towards mid September, especially with the Jewish holidays coming um, after, after Labor Day, you have uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and, We'll do verification to green, so we'll we'll probably clear out you know a bunch of different members that'll go back to their you know winter residences. So it'll 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 get pretty pretty quiet, I think, on the reservation, uh, which just leads us mostly into football season, which is fine with me. So, well, if your dad's listening tonight, I know that uh, he is following the former president Barack Obama. You're probably going to have 500. 500 at your under the tent tomorrow to celebrate your birthday or are you going to exceed the president's number? Um, that, that, that's interesting. Um, I think it would be, <laughs> I think it would be probably a really chilly day in hell if my dad was following uh, Barack Obama anywhere. Uh, <laughs> well, he's got, you know. he's got the $30 million house. So that he does, that's one thing right. he follows. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, let's get let's get to, let's get back to sports. For a lot of lot of Baltimore uh, Baltimore or the Ravens. I almost said the Colts. Baltimore yeah. Ravens news. Uh, the Orioles right now are still tied three three with the Yankees. Uh, mm-hmm. They jumped out to a three nothing lead, as you probably know. It's now three three, and uh, yeah. so we got the Ravens, we got the Colts, and we got the golf. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think? <laughs> give us a give us a thumbnail sketch first of the Ravens training okay. camp. Well. Yeah, I mean, training camp is always an interesting time of year. You have, you know, a lot of scenarios that play out with uh, draft picks and, and um, you know, undrafted individuals that seemingly one or two always um, land on the Ravens roster. You have uh, your veteran squad. And, um, you know, I think Lamar Jackson has had COVID twice now. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, there's there's a lot of different things. You know, we've, we've talked about um, – you know, J.K. Dobbins over the last several years, um, you know, I think this is the year that obviously he's handed the keys to the car to see what he can do. And I know that the, the Ravens have retooled and shuffled uh, some offensive linemen, uh, always still extremely dominant with run blocking. Um, you know, we've heard different things over the years about the expansion of their roster uh, with regard to their wide receivers. And, um, you know, Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, the draft pick, um, you know, uh, Mark Andrews is perennial uh, all-pro slash, you know, pro bowler. Um, you know, I know they want to throw the ball uh, a little bit more than they have. And defensively, um, still some question marks for me defensively. I think their secondary uh, is pretty good. Their linebacking core, I think, is, is still emerging with, with a couple second-year players in there. Um, and the big question mark for them has always been pass rush. Um, you know, never really been able to get after the quarterback in traditional pass rush situations. Um, you know, I know that Wink Martindale is big on applying pressure through blitz and 
uh, stacking and overloads and exotic type looks in terms of their defense. Um, they signed Justin Houston recently. I think he's a 32-year-old pass rusher who will probably come in there and help, you know, on specific pass rush downs. Um, but, you know, they, they have um, Calais Campbell and Pernell McPhee and guys like that who have contributed, but, you know, they're a little long in the tooth there. So, I mean, I think – um, you know, in, in playing against the Steelers and, and that division is a very black and blue division with, with stopping the run. And I think that's their, their first uh, goal is, is to do that. Um, we'll see what happens with the pass rush, but I'm not sold. Well, and, uh, your, your sport is golf. You're a PGA professional. You run the country club down there in Boulevard. And, uh, and I have to be very honest with you, I have not seen any of the Olympic golf. Your impression of the Olympic golf, and secondly, uh, the tour is now back on this weekend starting tomorrow. They took off mm-hmm. because of the Olympics last week. But uh, sure. those two factors, first of all, the Olympic golf, and secondly, uh, the tournament this week. Mm. Well, um, I've never been a big fan of the Olympics in general. Um, I, I um, can appreciate the fact that it's, you know, Generally speaking, from an amateur standpoint, um, you know, it's, it's their Super Bowl. It's the height of their athletic prowess. Um, you know, I respect all the individual sports that are represented at the Olympics. Um, I know that they've you know, tried and created and worked real hard to incorporate different sports um, in the Olympics that arguably... They've gone crazy like, with that. I mean, well, well, skateboard, skateboarding you know, and, oh, my God, I never saw anything <laughs> like it. You know, we, we could certainly debate, you know, the, the importance of such a, you know, concept, whether it's an e- even a sport or not or, or or whatever the case may be. I mean, I think, you know, to stick golf in there, um, I think it's kind of fun uh, for those, you know, men and women to be able to represent their countries and have the opportunity to compete for gold, silver, and bronze. Um, you know, I think obviously, you know, to only give three medals in, in a sport like, uh, golf where, you know, mm-hmm. you know, week in and week out, I mean, anybody could win. It's it's so highly contested. I mean, you saw, you know, Sandra Schauffele wins the gold and, and Sabatini wins wins the silver. I mean, hell, he's he's not even going to retain his tour card. Um, you yeah, know, so, right. I mean, it, you know, it's, um, it's interesting, uh, to say the least. But, yeah, again, I've, I've never really sat down and watched any of the Olympics. I mean, I, I don't particularly care for soccer um you know i think maybe people get a little more giddy for the winter olympics because of hockey or um you know maybe some of the different sports represented because it's in off peak time perhaps i don't know but uh, well i'll, again, I'll no- watch a little more of the women's because the corvus uh, sisters uh <laughs> they're they they're from our club in and uh Sarasota. They're from Sarah Bay Country Club, and uh, right. they are two very, very nice young ladies and outstanding golfers. Yeah. The younger sister, of course, sure. just came on the tour uh, this year. The older sister has been on for a couple of years, and they yeah. are going to play together in the uh, in, in the Olympics. So I will watch as much of that as I can, unless it's on at four in the morning or something. Right. Uh, I'll try to watch it anyway, but. Uh, <laughs> I, the one tournament, the one tournament I, I really look forward to each year. I was a great Danny Thomas fan as a youngster growing up. Uh, what he's done for St. Jude's and what his family's done for St. Jude's, and this weekend's the St. Jude's tournament. 
Uh, I don't think there's ever a time that goes by that I don't get something from the from this from St. Jude's that I don't try to support. So uh, uh, it should be a great tournament down there, and uh, they they don't use Danny Thomas's name anymore, but I still do. It's, the St. Jude's yes. tournament should be great. Yeah, I know there's um, an awful lot of um, literature. I, I just got an email from my foot choice sales rep about how they're uh, making a, um, a a large presence this uh, this week with with the St. Jude's. They the foot joy has a pair of shoes that you can customize called my joys, and I know that a lot of guys on tour uh, will be wearing versions of these shoes that they've customed for um, you know kids that that have cancer or people they've known or whatever. Um, you know, so I think that's that's pretty cool uh, to see that representation. Um, right. Obviously. You know, we, we, we've talked about Sunny Hill time, you know, with athletes that had the platform to be able to do something good for their respective sports. Um, right. Um, and this is a great example, I think, of, of doing so, um, as opposed to some of the other things that, that maybe, you know, we, we could talk about in a different light. So, um, you know, raising money for St. Jude and, and doing this, um, you know, for, for children and pediatric cancer, I think, is, is tremendous. Um you know, obviously being a cancer survivor myself, I know that there's an awful lot of people out there that, you know, uh, struggle with insurance or bills or support or, you know, d- different things that, that are provided by St. Saint, Saint Jude that give these kids a chance to, um, you know, kind of stand up to cancer and, and get the treatment they deserve and, and hopefully, uh, you know, raise their hand in victory there. So that's that's pretty cool. Sorry. It's a golf tip of the week for probably – people wrapping up the northern season up there. Um, are they working on getting the irons longer or more consistent golf before they close up the shop and come south? Um, yeah, I mean, so a lot of, lot of, um, lot of country clubs will, um, particularly in this area, they will, um, I mean, we have our club championship in about two weeks, so you're, you're kind of ramping up the end of season for um, benchmarking where you are kind of with your game and a lot of the members we have will then, you know, pack it up and after Labor Day uh, go to their respective, you know, places in Florida. So, um, thing to note that the seasons, you know, in Maryland versus Florida are, are completely different with regard to, um, you know, golf clubs that are introduced, um, the time frame in which they're done, uh, uh, fashions, um, you know, are, are completely different. Um, unfortunately, a lot of my members that, you know, we'll spend their winters in Florida. We'll, you know, maybe have retooled their, their wardrobe before they've come to see me and, and spent less money with me. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, I've always been a big proponent of, of talking to you guys about how important the short game is and, um, the scoring clubs that give us an opportunity to day in hold, you know, hold a hold to, to be able to, uh, post good scores or maybe days that we're, we're not playing particularly well, save good scores through uh, mm-hmm. making pars and, and nice up and down. So, um, you know, Tommy, you, you've played a lot of golf in your life and in a round of golf, you're likely to hit your driver a maximum of 14 times, you know, yet we go right. to the range and we spend all this time, right. You know, trying to work on, you know, mm-hmm. specifics that surround that. So, you know, in a round of golf, you know, putting and chipping and, bunker play and short game is tremendously important yet we don't really appropriate the right amount of time to spend you know working mm-hmm. on that and you know as that old adage goes you know 
chicks dig the long ball. They want to see, you know, how far you can hit it. And uh, that's a male thing. That's an ego thing, you know. So um, I, I just shifting the balance, I guess, of practice time, I suppose, would be the tip to ensure that you've covered, you know, a lot of the short game areas, uh, good days or bad, that you can help score. Okay. Thank hey, you, guys. I always want to ask that question. Hey, Doug, Doug we, have a, we have a visitor that uh, is asking to talk to you. Go ahead, visitor. <laughs> Just want to wish you a happy birthday on Monday, Doug. Ooh, I appreciate that. Thank I, you. I, I want to know where. Yeah, where is Mister Henderson? He's there. I, I'm right here. He, I'm right here. We, here. we wondered where everybody else was. <laughs> I know you were wondering. I know. I know. Tommy, I'm, I'm, I need your address. Okay, I sent you the text last night. So uh, I need you your, make sure I got your address. But I, I hope everybody had a good week. Sorry I uh, couldn't get in one normal time. I did not expect to be driving the tram for a double shift okay. <laughs> when I started the day. Had my day all planned and, uh, you know, do the shift, then get some work done, and then uh, come do the show. But some things do not work out the way you plan the day, as we all know. Well, last week we had a we had a golf pro who who had to have a tournament going on during the show. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Don't name the name. It takes all, that's it right. takes all kinds. Right. I know. That's that's what this uh, show is made up of. All kinds. <laughs> we, you know, John. The, the reason that happened with those two guys is they're trying to catch up to your salary. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're not far to go. If, if, if Roger drove that tram all day to the bank, he wouldn't be able to get any of my money. <laughs> Doug, let's get to the, the last know, but not the least, and that's uh, the, the most disappointing, I guess, in Baltimore has to be the Orioles. They they got off to a half-decent start. Uh, the bullpen is – we thought the Phillies bullpen was a disaster. But, uh, boy, oh, boy, the, the Orioles bullpen, once I think it's around, up around seven. Seven runs a game. Uh, you know they uh, they're they're still tied three three with the Yankees right now. And uh, let's see where are they here? Seventh inning, and uh, the Yankees are uh, yep running on first base and nobody out. So you know the Yankees going to win this game. And uh, how about the how about these Orioles? Have they got any prospects yeah. in the minor leagues? Yeah, I believe their their minor league system was deemed to be rated uh, fifth best in in baseball. Um, you know, with, with different trades they've made over the, the past several seasons. And um, I would say competent draft picks to kind of retool that farm system. Um, you know, I think there is, um, you know, not winning and, and being at the bottom of, you know, their division um, in terms of what's the second or third worst team in baseball. And, um, and the, you know, Ryan Mountcastle, um, John Means, Trey Mancini, Cedric Mullins, I mean, you can look at some of the bright spots that have, you know, played tremendous seasons this year and been all-stars and, and you know, function well in that home run hitting contest and, and whatnot. But, you know, it, it takes a village. You know, it takes, um, you know, a complete team, if you will, to, to be able to win some of these games. And obviously they're not there yet. And, you know, the, we, we've talked about this over the course of time, that you draft somebody, he might be the best player in college baseball, but he's not ready for Major League Baseball. And, you know, two, three, four years, you know, from the time he gets drafted. So, I mean, that 
the acceleration of that would be nice, yet it doesn't work that way. Uh, and so realistically, I mean, Adley Rushman and, and some of these guys that they've drafted that, that I think uh, will eventually play well at the major league level hopefully can blend with some of these other guys that currently are in about a two-year time frame, hopefully. Um, but, you know, we'll, the, we'll see what happens. I mean, it remains to be seen. Um, you know, will, will they eventually spend any money in free agency? Will they eventually, you know, fill in some of those gaps uh, with, with veterans to, you know, help them build, you know, at least a, a chance to win? I mean, we, we all know where they are. You know what I mean? We, we know that from season to season, this season, next season, whatever, that, you know, they're going to break uh, spring training and, and they're not going to have a chance to, you know, to win a World Series. But, you know, um, I think there's definitely hope out there uh, with, with some of the talent that they that they have and some of the play that they've gotten. I mean, you know, when you're talking about these, I mean, you know, uh, Stanton, Judge, they went out and got Gallo. They got um, Rizzo, um, you know, Glaber Torres. Uh, look at all these guys. I mean, that's ridiculous, the amount of money that they're spending to do that. And then all of a sudden, guess what? It's the seventh inning, and, and they're tied with the little old Orioles who stink three to three. You know what I mean? Like, that, <laughs> that's a win for me. Hey, Doug, me. Let, me, let me ask you this. Was Andy McPhail uh, part of – I know he ran the Orioles. Was he yeah. with uh, during the time of the uh, the current owner, or was it was uh, he I, previous to that? That's a great question. I mean, I I don't I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I would say that there's a possibility that that he may have overlapped um, because there was another McPhail. Wasn't didn't he have a son? We had the, his father was Lee McPhail. Uh, okay, so and I Andy's think, the I think, son. Okay, so I think I think didn't both of them rightfully hold oh, that yeah, spot? Oh yeah, both of them. Yeah. Well, so, Andy McPhail C is still with the Phillies, and he and Glentac right. have absolutely destroyed the Phillies. Right. And Ruben Amaro right. was on the radio the other day saying, "Hey, listen, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, Dombrowski now, but he's president of baseball operations, but McPhail is still there, and it's been five years of absolute right. waste with him <laughs> and Glentac." And so that's why I was wondering if um, when McPhail was with the Orioles, he could have also destroyed that team too. Yeah, well, I mean, they they geared up pretty solid when uh, Buck Showater was was their manager in terms of trying to, you know, make some deals. I mean, you you, you look at – Hey, guys, hold on for a minute. Guys, hold on for one second, please. Frank said tick, tick, tock up against the clock. We got it. Hold that thought until next week. Just enough, yes, just enough time to tell you, LeMayu just got another base hit, his second RBI of the game. The runners on first and third. And the Orioles seem to be trailing by a score of four to three with nobody out in the seventh <laughs> inning. And there's Have the a good update. week, boys. Have a good week. Keep Have that tram going, right. Roger. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Take care. Bobby, good for this week's show. Thank you for everybody for coming on special tribute to Billy Rondell, Roy Cumming, our legends, uh, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Roger Hendler, and Doug Hamilton. Most of all, thanks to your family and my family. Great job, as always. We'll talk to you next week. God bless you. Okay, thanks, Tony. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs brought to you each and every day of the week. In grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces. And then with police and fire services, when you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please, please let them know that you know they're there. 
These are very rough times for anybody in uniform. <clears throat> These programs are dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Bainger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Lieutenant Mike Zerva, Newcastle County Police, <clears throat> Patrolman Narfo Crispin, Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogle, Longwood Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrol Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrol Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrol Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA, Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Robert Jermaine, Windermere, Florida Police Department, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Kotloff, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Rodney Bond, Delaware State Police, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Ardeth Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, FDLE Special Inspector Vinny Galaccio, Delaware State Troopers, <coughs> Corporal Stephen Ballard, Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter, Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Bill uh, Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Natalie, Natalie Coronas, uh, Natalie uh, Rodriguez, uh, Pasco County Sheriff's Department, uh, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, Sergeant Brian LeVake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Mike Malik, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hands. Good night, God bless, and have a great day. Shema Hezahilma Sona Shenevorat Fed Hakuig again, my Elma Yeah.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. W Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.